0: This is the monthly show where we have a special guest and interviewed them about their love of movies their intro into the snowdown and their hopes for their future career in the snowdown i am one of your hosts elon mckayne and i'm joined as always by my co-host luke Stutterd. and today we are joined by the other half of the star wars tournament finals match on this month's episode he has a title match coming up against one of two potential ch- competitors and he is not a private or a corporal or a sergeant or a lieutenant or a captain. He is the major Thomas Harper. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: No, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. My mic is in the way of a proper salute, but <laughs> it has it has to be with the uh, the right hand. Don't don't let anybody give you a a BS left hand salute. That's an insult. Oh,
0: oh, trust me. I once was in a musical where I had to play a major and the director was in the marines and he was like telling me very much no it's right hand exactly like this i'm (laughs) like yep sir i'm sorry (laughs) nice my my issue is i had to
2: learn how to salute because i was an eagle scout
1: (laughs) yeah there you go yep a a few fewer fingers but yeah same concept
0: (laughs) oh yeah so oh oh, go ahead uh, i was just gonna start off with our very first question which is how's your day going
1: Good. I uh, I told you guys before we hit the record button, my team, my normal job is with the American Red Cross and the uh-huh. team that I lead is doing a big Harry Potter event on Friday. So it's out of my wheelhouse, my comfort zone, although I, I do like uh-huh. Harry Potter a lot. But yeah, so we're going to be doing that virtually on Friday and they were doing a rehearsal right before I left.
2: How'd you get into that doing the American Red Cross? How'd you get into that?
1: So my boss, actually the, the attorney that I took over for, I deployed with to Afghanistan and then we were on active duty together. She reached out to me when she was, she'd been poached out of the job by another organization and reached out to me to say, Hey, we think you'd be a good fit. And my boss, my current boss uh, was my first boss on active duty in the army. I deployed with him, served under him in Afghanistan. So it was a nice natural fit. And the, the kind of stuff that I do now, I was doing on, in my free time anyhow. Like like in the context of talking about it through the lens of Star Wars, like at Comic-Con and celebration and stuff. But yeah, you know, I literally sat in the interview. I was like, I'm already doing this job. I'm just not getting paid for it. <laughs> so it was a good fit.
2: So what what helped you get into the military?
1: I enlisted out of high school. So, I was a private. I still have my contract from when I was 17. My parents had to sign. And then I did ROTC in college, commissioned as an officer, a lieutenant in the Army. And then they gave me a little bit of time to go to law school. And then from there, I went to the JAG Corps and here we are.
2: Oh, wow. It's like, what is it? 18?
1: I'm 36. So, I've been in. Really? I've I've almost been in longer than I haven't been in, which is scary.
2: <laughs> I assume the late twenties, early thirties. That's a
1: compliment. And I appreciate that. <laughs> there was a there was a time not too long ago where I still would get carded for buying like violent video games and occasionally R-rated movies, but that's gone. So I have to cl- <laughs> I have to cling to things.
0: Now you mentioned being a part of Jag and as everyone knows, there was a TV show called JAG. Was that ever an inspiration for you going into the JAG Corps, Or was that ever on your radar?
1: No, I would have killed to be a pilot, though. Like, the main character, uh, Harmon Rabb, on that show is a former F-14 pilot who gets, like, night blindness or night blinded. Oh, wow. And uh But I'm too tall, way too tall. <laughs> if you try to stuff me under a cockpit, there'd be no hope. So... <laughs> unfortunately yeah i would have done that but when i was in afghanistan i worked in a big command center and there was a colonel in charge of all operations so we oversaw combat operations for all of southern afghanistan um with the exception of a small slice that the marines controlled and anytime they would come he'd come over the the intercom and the system to 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 talk to different people in there and i wasn't called i was a, a captain at the time i wasn't called captain harper or Tom, I was Harm, so he'd be like huh. Harm to Command, and I just learned to respond. And That's the the guy's nickname in JAG. so <laughs> that's stuck. Huh. For, so for a well, year overseas, I went by a TV show name.
2: <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> Do you miss it ever, being over there?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> <It> sucks. <laughs>
2: I
0: don't blame you.
1: No, it sucks. <laughs> You're literally watching. I mean, you know, the the stuff of being in a an area like that is one thing, but you feel like your life is you're treading water i mean you're doing important things you know it's fulfilling but you have to watch as the world is moving on without you so i remember vividly uh they had we had a big wall of screens so think like a nasa mission control center with screens all up front except it's all like battlefield imagery so maps and and gun cams from like uavs and apaches and stuff but we would ha- occasionally have like one dedicated to like a sporting event or something like that. And so we had the Boston marathon up and the bombing happened huh. and oh. you're just sitting there like watching, they, they put it like full screen. Like our battlefield imagery went off to the right and we're watching this terrorist attack unfold. And you're like, there's nothing that we can do right now. And like one of my good buddies is from Boston and had new two people that was running in the race. And so it's like, you you almost feel paralyzed in a way. And and so that was just, that was a big scale moment, but there are a lot of little skills that like, you know, watching the football season go by and you're not there, like, you know, whatever else I didn't have kids at the time. So I can only imagine what that's like, you know, watching your kids grow up from a computer screen over a year. So
2: were you, were you married at that time?
1: Oh no, no. I I actually met my wife when I was on R and R in the middle of my deployment. So we started dating Yeah, that was a good thing that came out of the deployment. Yeah. Probably the best thing. (laughs) That's a plus.
0: Yep. So. Well, I was curious. Oh, go ahead. I was just about to say, like, after the military, like, you still did um, your practicing law and such. But then, and this was when I would notice when I was doing my research on you for Rookie of the Week, that you're sort of like a, the website where you're like a geek lawyer, where you're taking stuff through, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I could be 100% wrong. I can't remember cuz it's been a while where you would look at court cases or like you would look at a character from geek history and yeah. like do this is what you as a lawyer if they were to go to court like this is how you would defend him or something like that. I could be 100% wrong.
1: No, no, you're right in the ballpark. I'm still in the army by the way. I'm just on the res- in the reserves now. Mm-hmm. So, I do it part-time instead of my full-time gig. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I got my intro into podcasting and this sort of sphere through the legal geeks. That's the the organization, the blog podcast that I write and podcast for. And my first article about was about like whether the Death Star is a war crime. And it just like that was in twenty sixteen and then flash for you know, two years later I was at doing San Diego Comic-Con and we were court martialing Poe Dameron and like Ryan Johnson was commenting on it. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. We're doing like a Bad Batch show right now where we're doing legal issues in the Bad Batch. So
0: that's been a lot of fun.
1: That's quite frankly, it was nothing about me that landed me with my job right now. It was the fact that I was doing those kind of unique things uh, that that made me stand out because I was not the most uh, the, the most well qualified person that went up for my position.
2: Well, let me ask you this. Um, since you br- brought up Bad Batch, what are you thinking of it so far?
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All these people, i not all these people, a loud minority of people were criticizing the show, but if, before it ever came out, like this is just going to be a bunch of knuckle draggers. We're, we're just going to get the same story recycled for 15 episodes in a season. And I'm tired of the Clone Wars and I'm tired of this period. And I got some of those concerns. But man, has it blown all of that away. The characters are yes. just dynamic. To, to to take a show whose characters at its core are all the same versions of each other and make it so full of heart and, and get people invested in it. I don't know. It's It's been awesome. It's been a fun ride. And it hits really deep themes.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Omega. Wow. She is just this... Amazing, pure joy character where you're seeing this 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 child see the development of the empire and we're seeing the empire through the eyes of a child. I yeah. love that idea. That's very cool. I, I, I've, me and my wife have been watching it and we, I had watched. She's a huge Star Wars nerd, nerd, just like me, and we, I had watched all of Clone Wars and so no, no, I had watched no i'd watch all clone wars and then i was like you need to watch all this she's like well do i have to because i've watched all the movies i'm like it's the best star wars you will ever get in general yeah it's good so, so we watched all of clone wars then we watched all of rebels i think she loved yes. rebels a little bit more than clone right. wars just because the the story was more compact and mm-hmm. uh, narrative driven so, so saying that, where did your love from, for Star Wars come from?
1: My dad, primarily. My dad was uh, – still is a huge just like sci-fi in general fan. He's a public school art teacher by trade. So he had like a small little studio in our house filled with toys and comics and all this stuff. And one day he sat me down and we watched a bootleg copy of A New Hope that we recorded on our VHS oh, wow. straight from cable. And, man, like from the moment – uh, Leia's ship and the star destroyer come across the screen i was in i was in fully and i had i had been like a huge transformers and ninja turtles fan like i was all in on those franchises oh, and the wow. moment that a new hope ended i was like i want to get rid of all these toys and get star wars stuff <laughs> so that's yeah that that was the drop in the roller coaster and it's been downhill ever since
2: <laughs> what, what was your reaction the first time you watched uh empire strikes back mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to remember. I I remember not fully processing the Vader reveal. And I I think I was one of those kids that didn't fully believe it. Like I needed to watch Yoda confirm it Uh. in Jedi to fully wrap my brain around it because I was like seven at the time. And it just like the concept of, I didn't even understand how fully evil Vader was. I just, I loved him as a character and thought he was really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so I don't think I really processed it fully, but empire has been one empire is like a fine wine i have enjoyed it as i've gotten older more and more
2: okay so it wasn't your favorite Sardin?
1: oh jedi was my favorite by far as a kid (laughs) come on you can't beat java's palace was like fascinating to me i i'm to this day i'm a fleet junkie i love the space battles so like there was nothing better than the battle of endor space and ground but the space battle just like I'd I'd watch that until the VHS tape snapped.
2: <laughs> so I, I think for me, I started Star Wars in a weird spot. I started it in with Clone War or Attack of the Clones, and then okay, it I went from Attack. No, I taught watched Attack of the Clones. Then my dad had me watch uh, Phantom Menace. Then I watched Revenge of the Sith it's
1: like whiplash order
2: yeah. Oh, oh yeah it was a weird. it was weird how i watched it like
1: all over the place that's a testament to anybody that says the prequels aren't good like i'm luke i'm gonna have point them to you because to start at attack of the clones and and ping pong in that series and then come out of it a big fan like that's proof positive that, that it, they're all good
2: well, if Revenge of the Sith had not been the epic movie that I love so much, I don't think I would have stayed with Star Wars.
1: Yeah, it's so great. It's such a great I movie. I love
2: it so much. So what's your favorite Star or Well, you just mentioned that. Um, so what made you basically obsessed with understanding all of it and knowing the characters and knowing the trivia side of it? Like, What made you obsessed?
1: I So when I was a kid, there was a a Star Wars card game. It was made by a company called Decipher. So this is like early 90s when this game first came out and somewhere in the background for the video viewers. So I still have most of my cards. There's a little general it's a hologram, oh, okay. but oh, a little nice. general Veers card. So Decipher made this customizable card game and I had gone into this uh, like card shop near my grandparents house just to kill some time after school one day. And I saw it and I was like, I will play this. This looks really cool. The car- the cards were designed really cool. The pictures on them. It's not art. It's like legit screenshots. But above the huh. card, and I'll, I'll just use this one as an example. There's text up here that you can't read, but it's flavor text. So it's information about the character or the vehicle or whatever. And at the time, there weren't like visual dictionaries that were out there. There were like, there were RPG assets that, you know, the West End game books and stuff that I didn't have as a young kid. But I did have these cards. And so I could read and be like, that's what that weapon is called. Or I just, when I didn't have other people to play with, play the card game with, I'd read this text and just would drink it up because it was like little bits of story, oftentimes about uh, stuff really that the game creators were coming up with, but stuff that's not talked about in the movies. And so I would just like soak this information up and when I didn't have money to buy cards or buy new packs or whatever, I cre—I legit created—and I wish I had it nearby. I'd show you guys. I created a quiz, uh, easy, medium, hard, and very hard. And I would challenge people. It was a Star Wars quiz. And if you could, if you could get above a certain score, like we'd we'd work out the terms. Um, if you beat that over under, then you'd get a card out of my trade book. But if, if you didn't, then we pre-selected a card and I would get that card or whatever it was. So I was a wheeler and dealer. But, uh, you know, there are a number of cards that I still have in my collection that are they're worthless now. But I won them by trivia. And so it was huh. kind of this weird introduction. And then you fast forward to um, I started going to Dragon Con. I saw mm. the competition there pre disney purchase and at the time it was all eu included i took the i took the quiz 2000 no it it changed over in 2009 to its current or 2010 to its current format um i didn't go back to I had a gap i didn't go back to dragon con until like 2013 and i took i got obliterated it was like i I wasn't even close to making the finals and so I was like, this is too much. I can't, there's no way I'm going to consume all this material. But when the canon reset happened, I said, this is my chance. If I'm ever going to be anything in Star Wars trivia, now's my chance because they're, they're resetting the competition as well. And so I just started consuming the books and the comics and, you know, six years running. I, I've only finished in third once. And other than that, I've either been second or first in that competition and, wow. uh, so that's, yeah, that was the, the, the intro started in the early nineties, but it's wound <laughs> its way all the way to now.
2: That's amazing. Which one's harder, which one's harder for you, Dragon Con or tri- maybe Trivia Schmodown? They're,
1: they're different animals. Com- they're completely different animals. Schmodown has been a tremendous challenge in its own right. I rebuilt my entire approach to trivia. I rebuilt my approach to these movies I don't study these movies the same way for dragon con uh, because you just can't uh, first of all, but dragon con is once a year. I build up for that competition and then it's over. I have a beer with like Alex and Molly and we all like laugh at how horrible that was and like how much we got beat up. And then we don't, you know, I I go on a hiatus for a little while. I read just for pleasure. And then it's, you know, maybe the next summer I get back into it again. The schmodown has just been brutal. Like, people that haven't played in a tournament or if like your life in the Schmodown has been like, I play a match or two a year, like try doing four in six months yeah. and then, yeah. and then getting prepped for a title shot. Like it's, it's been a uh, very, very demanding, like very demanding. Um, and anybody that, that says otherwise isn't competing at the top tier level. That's just the fact of the matter. You can't, operate in this division just knowing a lot about star wars and loving it it you're just not going to serve you're not going to beat me like i'll tell you that um yeah and so that's been really hard dragon con is a 365 prep in a different way because the 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 pace of content is so quick like i'm very far behind on stuff i'm also for the first time in six years not playing in dragon con this year to focus on my title shot to focus on schmodown so I set, huh. I, I set Dragon Con aside to to dedicate to this. And I, I've told other shows and stuff like that, I'm dedicated to this community, to the fans, to the people that, that have started to watch me over the year. And you're not gonna get uh, some half-baked effort, definitely not in the title match, where I'm distracted with some other competition that isn't the Schmodown. Like my focus is singular. Uh, what's that? What?
2: What's that or that feeling of the the fans? Like what's that felt like with the Schmelldown versus Dragon Con?
1: Bizarre. Cool, but bizarre. It's <laughs> like Alex Damon and Molly Damon are the only two people that walk into Dragon Con with fans. And I didn't know who they were. I just knew like when we first met, I just knew that they had a massive cheering section every year. And I was like, who are these people? Like that they're really popular. <laughs> and they fill all the seats. And then I have like my wife in the front row who's like, Woo! Go, <laughs> um, but Drencon is—it's if if the room is full for the finals, it's 250, 275 people in the audience, which is like a good crowd. Um, but again, it's not like people that are following you over the year, like not people. Re- There's no after shows or like an entire community built around it. It's people that are just like circled it on the con schedule, and they're like, hmm, this might be fun to go watch, and they just pop in. Some people come year after year and they know us, but it's, it's just the Schmodown is a totally different beast. So I've fallen down the rabbit hole myself. Like I'm, I'm a fan as much as anybody else. I'm watching these matches with a totally different hat on when I'm not prepping internally with the faction or whatever. And like, I w like, I watch your show. I watched Evan's interview. I watch, um, you know, I try to consume as much as I can just because I like it. Um, And I found like, funny enough, I found that I've watched less like actual sports this year, like ESPN (laughs) and stuff. And I'm watching, I told my wife, I was like, I used to like consume hockey stuff all the time. I'd be like knee deep in like NFL free agency stuff right now. And like all that's gone. It's all just smoke (laughs) down stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you, once you get that Mo down bug, you just can't let go of it. I know it's ridiculous. So because because of all the stuff that you've been connecting with the Smodown, who was it that finally convinced you, like, hey, you're doing pretty good in Dragon Con, playing the Smodown? Who was the one that convinced you to do it?
1: I yeah. was the pest. There was nobody that had to convince me. I was the pest. Damon, the Daemons, because uh, they're both guilty. <laughs> the Damons introduced <laughs> me to it. I was aware that Alex competed in this trivia competition. He and Molly invited me um, as, as a guest to come out and see him compete in 2019 at, at Chicago. That was the first live event that I had ever seen. Um, ironic, or coincidentally, rather, in 2017, I had hosted my first panel. I moderated a panel at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando. The next panel was the Witwer, uh, like, Napsai. It was like the oh, Fatal Five-way oh, man and so oh. i leave i leave my panel and i'm like rushing to try to go see the last jedi trailer premiere because it's about to to drop and there's this huge line outside this panel room that i was just in and i was like what because this is this isn't like a marquee panel room this is like one of the fan panel rooms mm-hmm. but there were people stretched as far as the eye could see and i asked somebody i go what are you lined up for and they're like oh the schmodown i was like the heck's the schmodown like that sounds dumb I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was Star Wars trivia or anything. I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> Have fun with that. And then ironically, here I am. Um, but yeah, I was hooked in the audience in that, that twenty nineteen match and I just pestered Alex constantly. Like he, he has the, the DM receipts to prove it. I'm just like, hey man, if you could just like I know you're gonna see Christian, could could you just like talk to him about me? And then in um twenty let's see here dragon Con that year scrimshaw was was a um he didn't compete but he was there at the show like doing panels and stuff and i knew he was going to be in the audience for the finals and i was like oh man here it is he's gonna watch this match and he's gonna go like he's gonna leave and have no choice but to call uh christian right up and be like look you gotta get this harper kid in here that didn't happen obviously it was 2 years <laughs> until i get a shot but yeah so it's uh if if you're looking to place blame it's alex and molly
0: <laughs> so when it came around to um you finally getting the opportunity was like i asked this to evan last time did someone ask you like hey why don't you come on and join and we think it's your time or did you also had to send in an audition tape
1: i had to send in an audition tape i I will plead the fifth on how long I shot and reshot that. My wife and I got up before. I have two kids, two two mm-hmm. girls under three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had to get up before they were up, so we're up at like four thirty, and like it took a took a while to put that thing together. Um, but Alex reached out to me and was like, submit an audition. He was just like, submit an audition. Like you've got a couple weeks to do it. Just do it. like hint hint non nah, nah, da. Just do it. Um, but I think that the dragon con folks have a good chance and i was like it it was like the world just turned upside down i was like this thing that i had been chasing for a long time finally just landed in my lap but i still needed to to prove you know in some way prove myself in the audition and then it like it wasn't even the audition like getting on the draft list as many people know wasn't a ticket i you know you still had to get drafted so nobody knew me no no managers knew me other than you know maybe roxy was aware of me because of alex but Hmm. i you know i had to go out and figure out a way to to get my name out there
0: and then speaking of the draft you get on the draft list and then round one third overall pick what was that feeling like the moment that happened
1: I was like who is this amaru kid and why like where do i go to defeat him no, i'm kidding <laughs> who's mara canopic how dare she get drafted no i i was blown away i been like totally facetious. i was blown away i uh, was eating dinner as the draft started with my wife we made it like a big event And she goes to leave the room to grab some napkins or something. And she, and she was like, "Why don't like, do you want to pause it? I was like, no, we've got plenty of time before my name will come up if it comes up. And she is like, no, like five steps out of the room when it's like Kate comes on the screen. She's like Thomas Harper. And my wife's like running back in. Like you lied to me. I I had no idea. I had no idea. So it was a complete surprise. I didn't talk to Kate before the draft, but, um, clearly the faction had done its homework and and found something in me that they liked, um, you know, potential or otherwise, I was blown away. It was a really surreal moment and it's surreal to this day.
2: How do you like working with Kate? Has that been an interesting situation? Is she different on screen than she is when you are training?
1: She's brilliant. Um, She's, she's the only manager with kids and I'm one of the only players. I I don't know if there's more than ten players in the league of the 96 on rosters with kids. That's a unique position to be in. Um, and and she gets it. It's hard for somebody that doesn't live that life to to do that. But like, you know, anything from availability to like the 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 conflicts in my schedule and and the impacts um, in in my personal life. Uh, And the the tug of war with the Schmodown, like she gets that like to a T. She's also brilliant. She's hilarious. Like all the bits that you see that we do that starts in one place. And that's with Kate because she's just so funny. Um, And so, you know, she, she probably, I I think people are coming around and I I would hope by this point in the season, they've seen just how, how far she's come as a manager um, and, and, you know i say that on both the character side of things and the actual like tactician side of things because she's really set us up for success like i wouldn't be where i am without uh the role she's played in my season this year
2: uh, okay would you, have str- would you have struggled with her character work last year versus this year
1: no i I get so locked in. I mean, if you saw me at Dragon Con or or at any other thing, like I, the blinders go on and whether it's a crowd or the lights or whatever, it just like all that stuff becomes background noise. And so her character work, you know, knowing her behind the scenes, that's sort of who I see. It's like, I have like decoder glasses on. And so Hmm. that's the Kate that I see. So I, it wouldn't have bothered me. And She could be standing there doing, like, backflips and acrobatics on the (laughs) screen, and I'd just be like, okay, where's the next Star Wars question? I'm ready to go.
0: So what you're saying is that if you ever go into a live event with hundreds of people in the audience, lights beaming down on you, that will not affect you.
1: No, I don't care. I mean, Dragon Con is always live. Obviously, it's a smaller crowd, and there's not the sort of production or whatever that goes along with it. But I've been doing that for six years in front of a live crowd. Um, that's never bothered me, quite frankly. Like my my job, like once upon a time, you know, and, and in fact, still on the reserve side, I'm a trial lawyer by by trade. So you want if you want to talk about like lights in a pressure situation, you know, try being in front of twelve people in the jury box and and say you're the defense attorney. You know, that person's life is in your hands. Uh, and it's on you to convince those twelve people uh, of of your case, or being the prosecutor. And there's uh, you know somebody else, you know, some other stakes hanging in the balance. Um, so I, you know, between the pressure cooker situation of of just being in dozens upon dozens of trials like that, or I, you know, Afghanistan, your 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 advice is life and death there. I mean, you're, people are looking to you. High ranking people are looking to you for decisions that are going to have like potentially like strategic impact. Like you make the wrong call and and you advise something improper and an attack happens and it goes belly up, comes back to you. So the business of answering Star Wars questions, like I don't care how like bright the lights are and, and loud the people are or whatever, like it just, I you know, I live for that pressure like that's that's where that's where i operate i don't you know mm. i feed and and quite frankly i hope other people get nervous i feed off that and yeah if you've ever seen the movie um the replacements with keanu reeves from back in the early 2000s there's a moment where the kicker they're going to do an on-site kick and he's like looking along the the defense or the the other team's line and he's like picking his target and he sees the guy that's like shaking in his boots and stuff like that. He's like, that's, that's where I'm kicking it. Like that's how I operate. Cause I'm like, I'm comfortable here. I can tell that you're not. And I feed off that. <laughs> so enjoy it. I still get nervous. That's not, none of this is to say I don't get nervous. I don't get butterflies. I don't, you know, question myself or anything like that. But if, if you think I'm going to walk in and be bothered by a crowd or some lights, that's just, You got another thing coming. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that.
0: Man, now I'm looking forward to your first live event match.
2: Well, I am curious about this. I noticed in your last match, it seems like Evan is different when you play him than you played other competitors. It's not like you played worse or anything. You played just, like, great. It's just, it's almost like he's your other half. Like, he's your, he's the one that's always going to be in your crawl, always going to be your shadow.
1: I love that. If we have a rivalry, now Evan because of his egregious spelling error has to go through the tournament now. <laughs> I may be right. I may be eating my words in in you know whenever my match happens and I'll be right in the tournament with him. But uh no, Evan is is fantastic. He's hilarious. He nails the character work. I think he's more deadly accurate than anybody in this league right now. I think his you've seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to him and he's missed two questions in four matches. Um, one of which was by one letter. So he's not a fluke. And I think he's going to wreck shop in that tournament uh, in, in a few weeks. Of course, if I'm in the tournament um, he'll have to fall again to my blade, but no, I <laughs> Evan gets it to Evan is like, a, like, if you ever had a friend or a sibling that just goes along with the punches, like you don't have to explain that you're joking with them or this or that. They just like give it as much as uh, you dish it out. Like that's Evan. And so I look forward to adding to his defeat column again and again and again and again.
0: Well, Evan said in our interview with him, he wants you to win the title so that he can win the tournament and you two can go up against each other again. For the title is that something that you would look forward to look
1: evan if you're watching this you just want to soften the blow of your loss (laughs) to me because it's easier to say (laughs) that you lost to the eventual bell holder. are you picking demilanta over kelly i that would be my my pick honestly you know i i think laura kelly uh is a switchblade when it comes to to steal my own teammates uh, (laughs) uh nickname but she's an absolute switchblade when it comes to this stuff. The other thing is, like, Laura's got the advantage of not having played, not having, like, anything public for, for the last few months. And so, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you, that's going to be brutal. But either way, like, I if if I have to, to play, um, I say Demolanta because I think if, like, Laura's a little scary in some regards. Like, Demolanta <laughs> definitely is. But there's like a deep. I think you've tapped into like a part of my brain that like is fearful of Laura in some way, just because of <laughs> how she plays the game, and that's not a slight against Andrew because he is a nasty, really, really talented player that is in his position for a very good reason. But
0: I, I
2: yeah. think the difference there is you got Laura had is in a different. I I don't know. I think I would feel a lot different if she was on Corruption like last year. She was a different. And she was she's playing great this year. It's just I don't know. Corruption scares me sometimes. Just in general, <laughs> they have this edge, and Swag doesn't have that same type of edge. So I, I I don't know. It's a lot different.
1: Yeah. Well, in in my position, I've I've had to prep because I don't I don't know the the uh, results that I couldn't even tell you when that that match. I know oh, it was one of the oh, pre recorded yeah. ones, but I have no clue. But I have to prep for both of them, and they're they're both very different players. <laughs> yeah the only difference between the two of them is how deadly accurate they both are. Mm-hmm. but they they have different knowledge bases in terms of the stuff that they specialize in. They have different proclivities and and uh, sort of like internal stuff that I've noted as strengths and weaknesses. And I, that's been challenging. You know, I wish i like I wish I knew. <laughs> I think make my life a lot easier.
0: I think an advantage for you when going up against either one is that you've also played. A five-pointer, so you know where their mindset is as well when it comes to a five-point match or a five-round match. That is, and so whoever it is, I'm looking forward to it because no matter what, I think it's going to be close to a perfect game on both participants for yeah. the year or the champion.
1: Yeah, and I, they're they're both. Laura has the advantage of having a played a five rounder live. Uh, against Damon, no less. So she knows, knows what the the pressure cooker is like. And I, I have no clue whether my match will be live or in the virtual space. So I certainly if it's live, you played a buzzer round live before. That's a huge, huge advantage. Um, on the other hand, Demolanta has played nothing but title matches this year. It's like getting into the Super Bowl and the team you're facing has only been playing Super Bowls uh, for <laughs> half the season, or for, in his case, the entire season. So either there, there's just no, no matter how that match turns out, I, you're gonna get end up with a really good one with with my title match.
2: Were I you think... shocked with the oh, once like um, Were you shocked about the Damon Demolanta match? Did it shock you how it turned out? Or, the first or was one is that something that you weren't. Yes, no, second, second. The second one, how Damon. Yeah, the second one's I feels a lot different than the first one.
1: I I appreciated seeing the the crank up in difficulty. I'll say that the the first match was to to me, and I think to to other some other Star Wars Division players was effectively like a home run derby. You're getting. Pretty difficult questions, but it's it's fun to watch people knock balls out of the park. That's why the All-Star game is so popular every year. The second match was like a pitcher's duel, and the difference was that I think Damon was showing the pressure that IG was putting on him. Because if you look at Damon's history in the league, he's been in a fortunate position because of his own hard work and skill of playing a match or two, maybe a year, and never having them coincide with any of his ig work last year he mm-hmm. played at spectacular and that was it right um i don't think he played another bash in the he year.
0: played in the ig tournament last year
1: well well i meant star wars specifically yeah. but you didn't have you didn't have cross-pollination there where he's prepping twice because he was out of the by the time he would have i don't know what his prep is like but by the time you're ramping up for spectacular the ig tournament's over and mm-hmm. and this was very different so he played multiple matches within weeks of each other that's and and ig is a different beast than even last year so i i i, th- I have to think that that was taxing it would be for me i mean star wars is enough for me and, and uh i can't imagine balancing 200 other movies on top of that
0: oh. and the- what Go ahead. My, my question was that this season you've sort of proven yourself to being one of the best rookies overall this season because you are four and o of the rookie class. And does that add any pressure to you going into this title match where people are looking at you as like, Oh, you're one of the top rookies and one of the top players in the Star Wars division? Does that add pressure?
1: I, I don't know. I, I've said before that Pressure—the pressure that existed before this, before the draft, in the draft, after the draft—that's all external to me. I wasn't out there. I've never been one to go out and call my shot or call somebody out, or or uh, make some bold predictions just for the sake of, of getting people to to like me or whatever. I just go out and play my game. So for a lot of those people, my season will like the success or failure of my season will depend on whether I hold the belt at the end of the year. Uh, for a lot of those people. If I hold the belt, it's a successful season. If I don't, well, Thomas didn't live up to expectations. I don't care about any of those things. I care about going in, being surgical, playing my game and getting more questions right than my competitor. And so the pressure that I have is internal. Like I want to, I want to, uh, repay my faction mates who have invested a ton of time in me. I want to repay Kate for picking me where she did. And, and right now where the, the, you know unfortunately where the standings have have fell like the the faction really needs Saul and I I you know that that we're, we're going to get into tournament season really quickly here but we've got to to stand up and deliver and and keep delivering for the faction and so I you know I want to do well for those that have have fully invested in me because there are a lot of people on the faction that have really poured themselves selflessly into myself and and you know to sol and to to others that have had matches so i have a debt to owe there what a fan thinks of me and uh, you know all that stuff is just noise to me
2: has has there been speaking of the faction I, yes the your rankings aren't the best at the moment but has there been a game plan to really focus on tournaments and especially the singles tournament is there more push on your singles competitors to help them to work with them or is it kind of what what it was like the beginning of the season so we're at the point
1: now where it's it's win or go home we do we just there's no two ways about it there the strategy is to win and and that sounds like real dumb to say but there is no there is no other option at this point we don't have a cushion like maybe the dungeon can to go and maybe split matches or whatever, or, or test somebody out. It's got to be everybody playing uh, full bore. And as these tournament matches have been announced and stuff like that, behind the scenes, what you're seeing is a full court press amongst the team to, to uh, get prep. You know, the, the, the run-up to, to uh, collision has been really inspiring to see as the faction has just fully thrown themselves behind Saul Uh, the faction has been hugely supportive to me although you know my we'll very likely have a number of tournament matches in the books before my match comes around but that's been the story of the season we haven't had necessarily a win that's followed at the end of each match but the dedication from the faction internally has always been there and that's you can't ask for more than that would we love to see ourselves higher on the, the roster absolutely but I wouldn't trade the camaraderie that we have for anything so if at the end of the season um you know we're somewhere in the range of where we are like that that stinks on a level but uh, you know i've gotten a great family out of it and that's that's about all you can ask for
0: i feel like no matter what happens this year whenever it comes to the draft next year you won't have to worry about going back into the draft pool i feel like the den's gonna keep you secured and locked no matter what and to mention your faction mates this pat not this past one but earlier on in the free agency you got or kate got ross from nowhere have you been helping him prep for potentially playing in the tournament because due to lazy schedule from what we've heard lacy may not be able to play in the tournament and this is me going in like you winning if you win ross is probably going into the Star Wars tournament. So has everyone been helping Ross prep for the potential tournament run for him?
1: Yeah, Ross and I have had to, this is a unique situation for me because we've had to prep simultaneously because there there will likely, I don't know what the, the scheduling crystal ball has in store for us, but there will very likely be little to no turnaround time. It's just gonna be, um, you know, one of us plays and then the other plays, or, you know, if I lose, then, then I turn around, I'm right back in it. Um, Ross has been uh, everything that I expected that, that he would be. He's, he's come in to a faction that was already gel. He's fit right in with everybody. And he's adopted and exceeded the work ethic of anything I could have ever dreamed, dreamed of. He's looked at folks like, uh, like Lacey, like Silvestrini, uh, like Peggy like Jess and, and, and the like, and he's matched their work ethic because I, you know, he, I, I think he gets it. He understands. And that go, it, that would be the case regardless of whether he had a potential match coming up. Um, But it would be all too easy for somebody in his shoes to be like, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy. Like I don't have a guaranteed match. We'll see what happens. I know a lot about star Wars. And, and if Harper, if you win, uh, then then I'll get ramped up then. It would be easy for a Star Wars player of his caliber to do that. But it's been the exact opposite. I mean, he and I talk constantly every day, and, and we have oh, nice. uh, multiple sessions a week with each other, and he is scary good. I huh. – the um,
0: –
1: he and Lacey, the combination of the two of them, there's not a session that goes by that I don't grow as a player. And hmm. I'll say – grow as in i get questions wrong and learn and expand my own knowledge so they find gaps in the armor and we fill those gaps and that's that's exactly what i need and, and i think f- for his part what he needs to to get ready for his match What it, you know assuming that happens
2: well going off of someone you mentioned rachel uh Shrine, she's zero and four right now but what has mm. it been like yes she's lost some matches but what has it been like her training, like helping, because how everyone talks. Even though she has lost her matches, y'all, the Den would not be the Den without Rachel. What's that been like? No, uh,
1: if if Kate is the Den mother, then uh, Rachel is the beating heartbeat in every single member of the Den. Uh, she she's the engine that drives everyone. She sets the tone alongside Goddard and Preston in terms of what's expected. She is the very first when somebody has a match get scheduled or come down uh, to start lining up schedules. She runs a master calendar for the entire faction that, that tracks everything. Um, when I set my prep schedule for my title match, um, you know, she was immediately updating uh, our master calendar. She has a, an amazing, incredible database that she's cobbled together of mm. questions and mock matches not all of which she's built on her own, but she maintains the database and expands it. And there is no more person that is selfless with their time than, than Rachel. And uh, you can't—it's hard to put a value on that as a teammate because there, I—you I, know—I won't say specifically what it was, but she's the reason I won the white match. Oh, nice. uh, she—she—you know—her work was instrumental in that match in particular. Um, but she's helped me out with every single match that I've played. And she's just, just a fantastic person, but the the epitome of a teammate.
2: Well, I wanted to bring that up just due to the fact, yes, she just lost, but I've just heard the, from the den, just everyone's heart for her and just how much they love and care for her. And it's just, I just wanted you to be able to talk about that. Cause I think more people need to hear that. She's amazing. Yeah. It's
1: all true. They, I mean, maybe there are some people that would, like, offer fluff or whatever, but I, I try to pull back the curtain, and that's that's all 100% real. I wouldn't be where I am today without all of the time that she's dedicated of, of her own time.
2: Oh, wow.
0: I'm so curious, like, because we were talking about the championship matches with Demolanta and Damon, like, both of them. Have mm. you, like, when those matches first went live, and with the upcoming Demolanta and Kelly match, are you have you played along and are you going to play along with that match to see how you would have done or how you would have Yeah. Done?
1: Yeah. That's part of my prep. I, you know, the army, the phrase in the army is train like you fight. And so there's no better way to do that than playing along. I, I get my setup exactly the same as I have it in a virtual space for a virtual match, uh, lights on. I don't read the questions when they come up on the screen. Um, it, it's like, you know, suiting up in football practice and having a full pads, full contact practice. Right. Uh, that's how you have to do it. I, I time it, you know, it gets a little tricky with like round two, we have to, you know, hit pause and stuff like that. So you don't get answers spoiled. Speed round can be challenging uh, yeah. sometimes, but um, yeah, I, I play I've played along with every single match and, and I go into these matches because I, I want it to be as pure an experience as possible I go into these matches, even the ones where we theor like, you know, somebody on the faction knows the result of a particular match, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I specifically avoid those spoilers, uh, if they're out there, so that I can go in clean, because, you know, the moment, you know, I don't, you don't walk in, obviously, on a virtual match with any background knowledge or anything like that. So I want it to be as pure a replication as possible. I want it to feel like I'm on the screen right there. And, and that's, to me, the best indicator of where you stand prep-wise.
2: So I'm guessing you're about to watch the Nikki match right after this this interview. To,
1: actually, to, I, we're, we get together on Tuesday nights, Ross and I, so that'll be... Okay. I'm going to avoid spoilers on that one until until Tuesday. Um, they've both been just very friendly to me offline. I look forward to like meeting them in the future at Celebration <laughs> or some other event, but... I'm glad I'm not in that match. I think that's going to be a, <laughs> a slugfest.
0: Oh, do you have a pick <laughs> for who you think will win between um, Nikki and John?
1: I'll go with, this is This seems like the cheap pick. I'll go with John only because he, oh, I've seen wow. game tape on him. Somebody pointed out on Reddit that if you go back, she has a play along with an old Whitware match and she's lights out in it. Like, I don't know if it's the Iron Man oh, wow. with Whitware and Napsok. Mm-hmm. But she's very good. So I haven't watched that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if this went to overtime. I would be blown away if it doesn't come down to to a five-pointer needing to seal the deal. There's no way this ends earlier than that. But um, I think it's going to be like a lot of these matches. I think it's going to be a round one question or a drop to multiple choice that's going to decide it.
0: So
2: have you thought of playing in any other any other division other than Star Wars or are you sticking with Star Wars? Heck
1: no. Heck no. I watch singles <laughs> and I'm like I question whether I've even seen a movie before. <laughs> I watch Intergeekdom Geekdom and I'm like I love these movies and I feel like I haven't seen them. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like the uh, people were talking about the the uh, swift Whitnaben match and I love Planet of the Apes and I love oh. Harry Potter. I walked out of that round two, both those round twos Feeling just like they probably did, like, well,
0: that was turns out I've
1: turns out I've never seen any of those movies.
0: That was exactly my reaction because I did. Um, I was playing along too, yeah. and throughout the Plan of the Apes I was like, "What is that? I know I've seen this movie." Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's,
1: conf- it's confounding and very unnerving. So you will see me stay safely at home within the Star Wars division.
0: <laughs> so you were talking about to... oh, how um, Rachel and Everyone in the team is backing Saul. Have you been assisting Saul mainly in the Star Wars area to make sure that you he will know Star Wars by the end of that match?
1: Yeah, I, I ribbed Saul because I think a couple of the questions that he's missed, of the few that he's missed, have been Star Wars questions. I'm like, Saul, you're making you making me look bad. All right. <laughs> you got to fix this. Now, Saul, Saul has a very unique prep style, a very unique prep plan that works for him. Uh, he's amazing in that regard but he poured himself out and has poured himself out and continues to do that in in my prep and i think when he's not actively asking questions and they're like the most brutally difficult questions that you could imagine he's just (laughs) he's merciless i think he gets annoyed when i get questions right and so he just (laughs) strives to stump me but um and so thanks to him, I know some very obscure, stupid things that I really don't need to be dedicating brain space to, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, no, Saul, when he's not actively asking questions, he's, his whiteboard is up and he's answering them. And, you know, it's not a specific prep session for him, but he's doing that in every single mat, uh, you know, match prep session that, that he's in with us. When we do, we do like faction watch alongs for the pay-per-views every week that, uh, where they air, and he's playing along there too. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, I, I think, because he's he's a self-professed, like came into this league as a massive Star Wars fan, still considers, uh, you know, in, uh, on the right day coming into the Star Wars division. Uh, and I think it bothers him to get Star Wars questions wrong. So he doesn't <laughs> need any motivation from me or Lacey or Ross to do that.
2: Do you think he, do you think he, his route, do you think taking it as seriously as, it, as he does, do you think it helps him, or do you think sometimes it can hurt him in the end?
1: In his case, it helps him. I think there are players in this league that get wound up too tightly, and I say that as somebody that takes this very seriously, but I think there are players that, that get in their own heads, they get wound up, and then that rubber band just snaps at some point. You see that mm. play out in the match. Saul it works for him that's the space that he operates in this very serious space I think it comes from a place of feeling like he persistently needs to prove himself and earn his spot you know coming as the the collider guy that you know the hot dog ate my hot dog guy or whatever dog ate my bacon guy um I he would be the first to tell you just how privileged he feels to have a spot and so I think he feels the need to, to, that he's never going to be established in his own mind. And so every match, every question, every round is him trying to prove that he belongs there. And, and that's regardless, I mean, he could, he could be undefeated for the rest of his career. And I think internally he would still have that fire and that drive lit under him because he's just that kind of competitor. And it works for him.
0: Do you think in his mind he'll prove himself if he wins the IG title?
1: Knowing how high Saul's standards are, I think he'd be like, oh, well, it's like, you know, he'd set a new standard. He'd be like, ah, 15 defenses and then come talk to me <laughs> <laughs> or something ridiculous like that. Saul wants to be at the top of the mountain. He's motivated to be there and to get there. I think the his loss last year to Hannah just persistently bothers him. And I've mm. I've not seen a person as motivated by a loss as Saul is. And so I've seen that fire lit Throughout this entire season, I think everyone throughout his first two matches is he disassembled the real rejects. Yes. You, you've seen that on display. That's Golly. that's Saul. That's not character Saul. That is Saul.
0: Yeah, I, like. Well, are you, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, no, you go. You go. Oh, I was just, I was just gonna say how um, the Saul Amaru match is the one match that Luke and I disagree on the most because. Because um, I'm very much choosing Amaru because I've played against him in the online trivia league. So that's just a <laughs> me thing. Like, I have I have experience against Amaru. So that's the one match he and I disagree on. Did you beat him? No.
1: Oh, okay. You were like the Alderaan <laughs> to his Death Star then.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, um, well, I want to do um, maybe one, one or two more questions. My main question is, we've got Collision coming up. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about collision and which match are you most excited about?
1: I'm excited. I want to know who I'm playing. I plain and simple. It's just <laughs> the, the, the whole slate is awesome. I want to see Saul in action. The, the excitement to see a studio match finally, and not just a studio yes. match, but a studio match with skybound behind it. Cause I think there's going to be very, I mean, we're not talking, uh, you know, season six and before we're, we're talking this new, new, you know, powerhouse that's been there. So I want to see those matches. I want to like be there for, for, for Saul. We're going to have a viewing party internally with the faction, but the star Wars matches what I'm keenly interested. I, it's like something about my upcoming schedule that that (laughs) makes me thoroughly interested in that. And, uh, and, and Ross and I are going to be playing along with it as as it airs. Mm. So I, I'll be right there with everybody. Um, you, You, You know, just know as you're watching that play out, I will be somewhere with sweaty palms, playing in front of my computer.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be playing along with that match as well and doing garbage.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, now we've got it's like a three way competition. I expect, uh, even though Lacey doesn't have a match on the docket, she'll be playing along. So it's it's like a fatal three way that we have going on. So the the pressures just amplify that much more.
0: So my personal question when that match ends are you going to reveal which of the three won the match
1: oh no that's all that's pillow talk. <laughs> I, don't, I don't share that i do I, I i find it funny anytime anybody is like they they do like competitors talk about how they've done or like they publicly discuss how they've done in a play along or, or maybe they do it on a channel or something like that and everybody seems to be 100 percent perfect you never get anybody talking about the, the questions they've missed <laughs> I'll be the first one to say I've stumbled in in play along matches, but I I view it as like I'd rather take a hit in practice than than get blindsided in the game. So that's a learning opportunity for me. But it's just always funny how that works out. Everybody's couch play is 100 percent accuracy. But, you know, things change when you go live.
2: (laughs) Well, and saying that first off, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on to interview us. We we love this. This was so much fun.
1: Yeah, this was a great time. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast.
0: You're,
2: you're welcome. Well, anything you want to plug before we end this show?
1: Yeah. So I don't. Are, are you guys going to air this this week? Because that'll affect tomorrow. my plug. we will air it. Tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Yes. So, air it on Friday, July thirtieth, uh, day before collision, uh, my my day job at the Red Cross, we're hosting a uh, a really cool event, a virtual free event on exploring some international humanitarian law, so the the law of war issues yeah. in the harry potter universe so if you're a harry oh, potter wow. fan or you you'd like to learn a little bit more about the law of war the law of armed conflict it's at noon eastern time on friday And you can go on my twitter at thomas l harper and i've got a pinned tweet with the registration link it's free it's going to be by zoom you don't have to have your camera on or anything like that just come enjoy it uh my very talented team will be putting this on and you're going to be hearing everything about death eaters to azkaban to the unforgivable curses and everything else so come out friday at noon we've got like 400 people already signed up so oh that's awesome it'll be a nice crowd great
2: yeah well all right well that i'm luke Sutter. i'm I'm elena mccain you